Fika with Anika. The word fika is used as both a noun and a verb and is derived from the Swedish word for coffee. The Swedish coffee break is a moment to literally leave work behind. Taken at three in the afternoon, it's not a strategy for multitasking or for fitting in another mini-meeting. It's a chance to relax in the company of colleagues or friends. The key is to pause your day. So brew up some coffee, grab a seat, and embrace Fika. I'd like to introduce my first guest, Tim Lauritsen. Tim is a longtime resident of the Anza Valley and hails from a family of 1950s homesteaders. He is known for growing native plants and trees, building in a sustainable style, his volunteer work within the community, and his artistic talents. He also has hiked probably more trails than most. Welcome, Tim Lauritsen. When I arrived in Anza, it was the last of the cattle industry. But after having heard the stories and read uh, primarily Lester Reed's book, Old Time Cattlemen of the Anzambrago area, it stimulated my interest in how could these homesteaders do what they did. Now the major issue in traveling across the desert from primarily Texas carrying a covered wagon with water and food pulled by an oxen they couldn't clear more than an average of 10 hours a day so it took many months and the moment they left the desert was the first sight of Anza Valley they knew when they came over Los I think it's Podres Point, the, the, the ridge where you finally crest out of the desert from Coyote. After having just climbed 800 feet in less than three quarters of a mile on that one section, hairpin turns four foot stairs of rock to climb up with a horse, I mean an oxen drawn wagon. I can't even imagine that. The whipping and the ropes and the pulling of the equipment was slow going. So in the first major adventure took place in 1774 and right around Christmas Juan Batista de Anza and his 240 men, women and children and soldiers and 600 cattle reached Anza and camped. Often they would spend two or three, even four extra days in camp if it provided firewood for cooking and grass for the cattle and water. It was not impossible to make camp in a waterless area, but primarily most of the camps were made in relation to water. And after Juan Batista arrived into California, and they didn't come to form Anza, they came to form San Francisco. So they still had quite a few, uh, another month or more to get up through Northern Alta, California. And that in itself is a remarkable story because at that point in time, not long after Abe Lincoln, 
the Russians retreated north. The Spaniards retreated south. The British, who only guarded the coastline, left. And here sat California with an invasion. And here I sit in Anza, 330 years later, and we still have invasions of people. You're giving me goosebumps. Surrounding <laughs> Indians who in recent decades have shown less tendency to assimilate, but have cashed in on solar and the, all the Akramansar society demands up here, even when the power is out, as the lights flicker and the Kui Indians have done what we haven't yet done. So much for utopia. However, at the time in the 17 and 1800s, this was considered utopia. It was defined by grass and rain and good water that you could improve your herd of cattle, which was food on four hooves. I think 98% of the food today in Anza is brought up on four wheels. And that source is showing signs of stress. Empty shelves at Walmart and so on. In recent years in Anza, meaning 2017, 18, and now here we are in January of 2019, this area will soon find water if the power is out permanently. We do have some major faulting occurring just seven miles west of here that could permanently, if not at least temporarily, take out the highway from the west. Are you talking about the swarm? Yes, the swarm of earthquakes at Lake Riverside Estates. They're in the four-point range. A year ago, they started at two point at two miles. Now they've doubled in strength and are only half a mile deep on an area that is not known as a fault zone. So I believe lava is working its way closer. There are hot springs in the area, Warner Springs not far south and Cahuilla Springs just nearby and a new hot springs right near this location of activity. And yet I am willing to gamble that 90% of the people who live here have no idea that we have the most active fault zone. Because when a 4.4 quake hits, quite a few people say they don't feel it if they were asleep. So it's not a part of their concept of what living here is about. And yet, it's a major event. And not even those who live here understand or even know about the most active fault zone in California, which runs through Anza. It boggles me. It so makes is me this think. the San Andreas or is there no, another fault? No, the San Jacinto fault zone comes out of Borrego, 
just east of Coyote, crosses an, out from under the eastern edge of Anza Valley, and passes right behind our electric co-op and very close behind our high school and travels along the foothills of Thomas Mountain and parallels Batista Canyon. Now this secondary fault zone is active with four and five point quakes. I believe the reason why San Jacinto Fault is so active is it's allowed a path of less resistance by cutting off the kingpins on the San Andreas mountain fault zone called San Jacinto and San Gregorio, the highest point in Southern California, where this San Andreas fault zone must travel around. But the San Jacinto fault zone bypasses and goes west of those two mountains. Now, from the study and classes that I've taken, it's not believed that a 10 or even a 12,000 foot mountain would offer any resistance to primary waves and earth fault zones because they're 10 miles deep. And yet the mountain is maybe two miles high. But the San Jacinto fault zone found two canyons to form in, not mountains. So here we are, living in a very active zone that may not be as deep and may not produce major quakes. However, it's obvious from even a student of geology standing on the eastern rim of Anza Valley that the valley of Kauia and Anza at one time connected with the Santa Rosa Plateau. And that Table Mountain, the eastern rim of Anza, has been upthrusted 800 feet, but the backside has dropped 800 feet. Remember when I said they had to climb four foot steps and 800 feet in three quarters of a mile to get out of Coyote Canyon? Yes. Well, now you understand what we're looking at on the eastern rim of Anza. It is very dramatic. It is very vertical land, subject to quicksand and earthquakes and flooding, that this wild, new earth is right under our feet. And the water that flows for 17 miles out of the eastern edge of the plateau of Anza runs year-round to Borrego Springs. Now that's a lot of water. The only year-round running springs in San Diego County, even though it's not really in San Diego County, it's under Anza. And Anza's geology is surrounded by mountain peaks, six and seven and 8,000 feet, mile-high Kauia to our west, 
6,800 feet to our north, 7,000 foot Combs Peak on Buckstart Mountain to our south, nine and 10, 000, almost 10,000 feet of Toro Peak on the Santa Rosas. And a lot of this higher elevation attracts moisture and cold air. And as the cold air settles in Anza Valley, the warm air of Borrego gets vacuumed up Coyote Canyon and it pushes up the clouds moving in from the Pacific so that even if the ceiling is storming, many people in Anza Valley can still see under the storm the lights of Borrego or the sunlight from Borrego through Coyote even though it's raining and snowing here in Anza. Now, as this warm air comes vacuuming up and those cold winds come blowing over the mountaintops, they meet at the plateau of Anza in the northeast corner. You might remember seeing dust and dirt blowing 60 miles an hour due south at the co-op at Kirby. Yeah. And yet, only two, three miles west, that same dirt is blowing 60 miles west, 60 miles an hour west. It turns 90 degrees right there because of the warm air coming up under that warm, that, I mean, that cold air from above <clears throat> vacuums Borrego's warm air up and turns, I don't care whether it's 60 miles an hour or whatever, it turns it. 90 degrees and in Anza the dust is blowing parallel to the highway when at the electric co-op it's blowing perpendicular. A very interesting thing that most people haven't noticed. So the Borrego has a profound effect on Twilliger Valley and the, west, and the eastern rim, southeastern rim, which by the way drains to the Sea of Cortez. Anza Valley, on the other hand, drains to the Pacific Ocean. And it gets, along with Cahuilla Valley, a profound effect of weather from the ocean, not from the sea. Now, hundreds if not thousands of years ago, there was an ancient inland sea to our east a man-made remnant of that area we call the Salton Sea when in 1904 and 5 the the dams were being built on the Colorado and the overflow caused water to form the Salton Sea now considered a very dead sea and uh, a serious uh, health risk as the water subsides and exposes the contaminants on the floor. The bottom southern end of the Salton Sea also has harmonic tremors and either a surge of water will come up or the water in the in the sea, the Salton Sea, will drain out. Team Anza to walk again in American Heart Association event. Employees of Anza Electric Cooperative have vowed to take a hike on April 13th of this year. 
Accompanied by family and friends, they will participate in the 2019 Southwest Riverside County Heart Association Heart and Stroke Walk. The walk will be held Saturday, April 13th at Lake Skinner in Winchester. The 5K walk event will begin at 4 p.m. This is the third consecutive year that the Anza Co-op has been a prominent player in this annual event, said General Manager Kevin Short, who serves as an executive leadership team member with the Southwest Riverside Heart Association. The purpose of the walk is to raise funds for research and educational programs aimed at reducing heart disease across the country. The efforts of the AEC have made Anza one of the leading players in the Southwest Riverside County chapter's efforts. Last year, we raised $7,335 for the American Heart Association, Short pointed out. This year, we're targeting $8,000 and we're making great progress to that goal, but we could use the help of local citizens to get us there. According to the American Heart Association, over 795,000 people in the U.S. suffer a stroke each year, and 140,000 are fatal. About 87% of these strokes are the result of blood flow to the brain being inhibited or blocked completely. The American Heart Association has been leading the way for funding scientific research and public education on heart and cardiovascular health since 1924. The AHA is the leading funder of heart disease and stroke research outside the federal government, providing more than $4.3 billion in research dollars since 1949. They are the largest voluntary organization dedicated to fighting heart disease and stroke. Interested in participating or donating? Check out the 2019 Southwest Riverside County Heart Association information on Co-op's website, www.anzaelectric.org. The Coyote. Listen to it. Welcome back to Fika with Anika. The Earth Changes are speeding up and all references to California's coastline are generally if not always of the Pacific yet we have a whole ancient sea line right here on our east side and it happens to coincide with the San Jacinto and the San Andreas fault zone which are both active and there is a lot of land below sea level right to our east. Only 60 miles of six feet keeps the Sea of Cortez from moving into Indio. The northern end of the Salton Sea is due east of Anza. So the history of water in the desert has always been there. It sure made success when these caravans of cattle and immigrants from Texas heading to form San Francisco found water. They couldn't always find it. <clears throat> and I found this same to be true. However, the desert seems to have a lot of water under it. So they didn't have the luxury of digging a well, but my right. stepmother who arrived here, Emily, Carrie, his father Noah, could find water on Carrie Road at 15 feet, groundwater at 15 feet. When I arrived to help Homestead in the early 50s, I remember Anza Valley with at least six or seven windmills. That was the way water was lifted. 
and the cows were herded to the feed. The feed was what kept your herd going. If if you couldn't, I mean, there was no way to pump enough water to grow a field of grain for the cows. You depended on dry farming. And if it didn't come, then you had to take the cows to the feed or the feedlot for sale. And in the 1800s, there was a time when the railroad charged a great deal to move the cows to California. A lot of the cattlemen got together and developed an overland route independently, putting cowboys back to work. So about what time was this? This would have been 1846, 47 in there, before Abe Lincoln. But cows being brought to California were already underway. And when word got to the railroad, they dropped their prices. And after that point, cows then were trained or trucked. And that in itself is an interesting bit of history because the routes in which these caravans and immigrants with cattle and horses and soldiers had to fight Indians. Now, the Apache and the Comanches were at war in Texas, but the Puma were friendly. And there were a number of Indians already living in Yuma where you had to cross the Colorado River. It's an amazing bit of history and the timing of it with three different countries all vacating and leaving California sitting there unoccupied for the most part, except for the Indians. So here we are all these years later and we have yet to find a solution. Because now, as of last summer of 2018, Anza would have been very hard pressed if it wasn't for the Cui Indians. We were out of power for 12, 15 days from the Cranston fire in Mountain Center. It's important that one studies history and understands the effects of grass and firewood and water for the surviving of these people and what they went through. They were bearing their children along the way and another old man died on the way. I mean, the, the hardships are beyond our comprehension. Unless you read about it, <laughs> it makes you appreciate more what has happened in order for this little town to be built in 1918, I mean, yeah, 1918. The town, the, the community was growing and the homesteaders were proving up land in those days, in the 1800s, you were given a section of land. In the 50s, you could sign up for five acres of land. And today, you got to pay buku bucks. Yes. And I don't recall too many young people in their 20s who are moving here to buy land. It just isn't happening. So it'll be interesting to see how the demographics in the long run pan out. 
we do seem to have people from everywhere in the world. We have now a great deal number of Asians in the cannabis industry. We have, of course, a long history of those who swam the Rio Grande and their descendants. But this Anza Valley is the best representation that I can recall in today where the past and the future meet. And I might make a footnote here that Caltrans is running right over the past with their asphalt and concrete totally oblivious of the history and the number of horses that live here. So we have some problems. I think wherever man goes, there's problems. Every time I go into the wilderness, there's no such thing. They don't exist. There's no problems in the wilderness. It's all in man's head. And he thinks he has to manage these wilderness areas. All he does is mess them up. End of story. <clears throat> Caltrans has allowed more people to arrive at a higher rate of speed, oblivious of the climb to 4,000 foot elevation. But a book could be written by how horse, cows, people, and then cars traveled. The foot trails and the freeways didn't always follow the same path. But more often than not, what started out as a footpath or a route through a floodplain and a rocky creek on a wood-wheeled, horse-drawn, or oxen-pulled. But here we have Caltrans um, ignorant or unconcerned about the history took down our their signs indicating this historical route removed the only horse crossing five miles west at Lake Riverside Estates and put a no stopping sign at the crosswalk in front of the little schoolhouse. Now this is the sort of Caltrans we have here in 2019. You mentioned off mic uh, about that Caltrans uh, back in the 70s or 80s was planning on building. Yes, a uh, there was a plan by the state of California to run uh, two lanes in both directions separated from up Batista and down Coyote Canyon. The purpose was to cut 15 minutes off of hauling produce from Imperial Valley south around San Jacinto and San Gregorio. And because the state made the Anzabrego preserve for the bighorn sheep, that nixed the route on which this highway was to travel. These caravans of people and soldiers to protect the people from the Indians and the cattle, it was like Walmart on hooves of the day because they wouldn't starve 
All I had to do was slaughter a cow. And there was an industry that formed just picking up the strays from these cattle drives. And the cattle drives took place up until about 1886. So there was a 40, 50 year period where it was most advantageous monetarily to get your herd to California because there was a lot of grass to be eaten there. Okay. But it required getting across the desert. And that's where it took months at 10 miles a day. And they would often spend extra days in camp if they didn't have water at a prior location or grass at a prior camp. Once they found the grass, they would stay a few days and let the animals fatten up, as did they, with firewood to cook with and to clean up. Um, water in the Rio Grande and in the Colorado was fairly muddy and they didn't carry water filters. They did carry huge cisterns on their wagons full of water to get them through those extra days where they found none. And when you have 600 cattle, you're not putting water to the cows. You got to take the cows to the water. And that might mean walking an extra 40 miles, as did one of the captains of these caravans when one of the family's two cows got loose and decided they weren't going to California, they were going to go back to Texas. And he went after them on first on horse, on a pony, and then realized he could cover more land on foot than he could with a pony. So he tied the pony up and then hiked on following the hoof tracks until he realized he was 40 miles out in the middle of the desert, out of water. And every time he caught up with them, they'd take off running. So he turned around and hoofed it back found the horse still tied up a day and a half later, got on the horse and rode back to find the caravan had left, thinking he hadn't made it. Oh. So he had to catch up after walking 40 miles to catch up and then to ride to catch up and then to continue riding to catch up. And all this while without water? Without the, without the water and without the two strays that he went after. It's when things go wrong in an adventure that it makes it one. If everything went as planned, what kind of adventure would it be? There would be no story. There'd be no story other than we went from camp to camp. Now reading Lester Reed's book of the old time cattlemen, life was good when you had grass, firewood, and water. That was it. You had your food on the hoof or whatever you carried with you. Crossing the deserts of New Mexico and Arizona and California was no easy task. So arriving to Fred Clark's La Puerta, which became Art Carey Art and Vi Carey's ranch out in Terwilliger a mile east on Coyote Road, still to this day the edge of the pavement, uh, was the first sign of a green California. And at Christmas, they camped just south of a little village 
of Anza, which didn't exist then, and a lake which no longer exists except in extended rains that's less than a mile from town. Very few, if any, know there's an actual lake, a 20-acre lake a mile from downtown Anza, and it only appears in extended rains. Now, in 1967, a major quake occurred on the edge of the Kauia Reservation in this lake, and at the time was managed by Charlie Johnson of the Porman Ranch history from Oklahoma in the 1800s, cattle. And this quake was felt in Los Angeles and it split open the field. It was on the Kauia Reservation. On the Kauia Reservation, right off the edge of the Kauia Reservation, less than half a mile from downtown, split the, val the field. We couldn't see the bottom of the crack. And Charlie was afraid his cows would fall in. And so he started pushing old trucks and, and abandoned vehicles down in there. And they would disappear down into the crack. And finally, it filled in over the years. And I'm sure he had to fence around it to keep his cows from falling in. So this lake appears and apparently appeared during the Christmas time in 1776 because Juan Batista made camp. And because of his first name, Anza's name was planted. Although Juan Batista de Anza, I guess it wasn't his first name, it may have been his last name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Okay. Right. Rather we I'm be named after Juan. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather be named after the last name of someone than by his first name, anyway. So just as a, as a sideline, I know that um, uh, uh, somewhere in, in the 1900s uh, that Anza was known as Bautista. Yes. And then went back to Anza again. Yes, that's true. There was another Bautista, Baptista, California, down in the desert, named after none other than Juan Bautista. So Anza got renamed. I see. The same with Radak, the little town just to our west. Now Radak was where you turned north to go to San Bernardino rather than Temecula on your way from Texas. Radak was called Cedar, but there was already a Cedar, California in Northern California where the Cedars grew. So they reversed the spelling. Oh, how clever. <laughs> uh, these little bits of tidbits of info are being lost. And so we need to get them recorded. Attention Mountain residents. Recognizing community needs in the age of technology, the Anza Electric Cooperative is partnering with the Riverside County Information and Technology Department and Anza Community Broadcasting KOIT to distribute refurbished desktop computers for free to income qualified residents. These desktop computers come loaded with Windows 10 and Home Office. If you're interested in seeing if you or your family member qualifies, the applications are available online at anzaelectric.org, at the Anza Electric Cooperative Front Office, 
at Lorraine's Pet Supply and in the box outside of the KOYT station. Once you have filled out your application, it can be scanned and emailed to fundraising at koyt971.org. It can be mailed P.O. Box 391-229, Anza, California, 92539, or handed in at Lorraine's Pet Supply, the co-op office, or in the mail slot at the KOYT station. Hello, KOYT. Yes, is this the radio station? Yes, it is. Who am I speaking to? This is Goldie, the alien. Hey, I have a joke for you. What do you get when you cross a weeping willow with a UFO? A crying saucer. Welcome back to Fika with Anika. Since the early seven actually in the early 50s where I where my history starts it was Link and Louise Hamilton that drew my family to Anza and homesteaded in 1958 so it's been a hundred years I'm sorry 60 years and uh, we seem to have the same problems today as we did in 1918 which is um, water problem flooding and not enough grass for the cattle so the industry that made Anza be born and kept it alive for a hundred years 150 years from let's say the mid 1800s until the turn of the 20th century, the end of the 20th century. So it was 150 years of cattle. And this whole requirement for life to continue was based on the ability of the cows to find enough feed and water. And when I arrived in 72, there was still cattle. The industry faded away at about the mid 70s when most of the cattlemen turned 70s because they arrived here 70 years earlier at the turn of the century. So from 1972 to 1975, I had the opportunity to work with Clarence Contreras, Virgil Prater, Lincoln Hamilton, Charlie Johnson, and other cattlemen, the Careys, the Bergmans, the Bradfords, just about anybody who lived up here into the Ford, into the 40s was cattle. You had to prove in a year, you only had one year to prove up your land that you're still alive and that your cows are fed. And that hopefully in that first year, you got tired enough and made enough to put a windmill up. Otherwise it was dropping a bucket in a hole. And that can get real tiring carrying water. I've seen a lot of trucks carrying water in Anza 
during the year of 2018. Moving water all over this valley, with or without a well. Yeah, you're right. So, Lincoln Hamilton, I worked for for the last five years of his life on his ranch, half a mile south of town, sandwiched up against the Cuya Reservation, and he had two sections of land he list, le, uh, leased from Skip Costo for his cattle operation. We had 240 head of cattle and six Brahma bulls and three windmills and ponds, and my job was to put cottonseed meal and turn on and off the windmills and bring in 16 to 18 bales of hay every two days. And the truck I used was Lynx. After he passed on, Louise and I managed the herd for another year. I found the old choke on Lincoln's power wagon from the 40s had been adapted to the horn so that when you pulled the choke on the dashboard, the horn went mmm. And the more you pulled it, or the harder and faster you pulled it, the louder and higher it would go mmm, moo, moo. And for a mile away, the cows would come running down off of the hills because they knew it was feeding time. Now I would dump out cottonseed meal and bran and other on the troughs near the water and put out a new salt block and that was what life was like. The outhouse faced, faced the morning sunrise and hay was $10 a bale. Good quality alfalfa was $10 a bale. But in certain times of the year, you could supplement with a fillery and other grasses. And farming got underway when propane and electricity arrived in the mid-50s, then dry farming vanished when you could lift water. Um. And so the herding and the route in which these animals traveled began to fade. Well, that just, I was about to ask you because you said that before that they would bring the cattle to the feed and to yes. the water. And because and the water... I'm hearing the reversal though. Yes, because the water ran year-round to the desert edge of Anza, that's where the cows were herded, down into Borrego and into Coyote Canyon, off of the plateau in the cold winds of winter. The ancient Indians migrated in the spring and fall spent a glorious summer in Idlewild and a very comfortable winter in Borrego. So they passed through in the spring and in the fall via these canyons. And those trails existed for the cows to travel. How ironic these trails are no longer used and barely used. In the 80s, when the satellite dishes arrived, many of the hiking trails just about disappeared from lack of use. So it's important that one generation after another know about these routes 
and the requirements to use with feed and water and fuel. I guess I'm a remnant of the past. I live in a cabin and heat with wood and people think I'm nuts. But it costs me $40 a month. So <clears throat> I think the past being run over by the future, primarily with people who have no business up here, who will freeze to death in a snowstorm with the winds blowing, who can't get out and will go hungry. We're all going to eventually have to, um, unless one really has an iron fist of loyalty and commitment and survival in their tree of life, they're not going to survive in the long run. I mean, when the power went off in the, for 12 days in, in 2018 because of the Cranston fire, we, many people left. After four days without a shower, that might have been a motivation. However, the homesteaders may have run out and ripped their clothes off in a rain for a shower after a month. So at what point does one's carbon blueprint cause the future to walk over the past? How much energy do we use to maintain our lifestyle? And how much can this area maintain how many lifestyles? It'll come down to the electricity and the water. And that's what kept Anza from growing. We, we don't have enough electricity to sell anymore. We're using up every kilowatt we can get. And there's more people here than that provides. They're using propane. They're carrying water. They're mobile. So That's interesting it's the that. first time that we have more people here in the Anza area living than is provided by electricity. There are things changing here and there are things coming that will encourage a philosophy of independence, a sheer willpower of surviving no matter what and all it's going to be is a quick earthquake and power lines are gone and the road's gone and we can't leave and how many neighbors are going to supply food and water for how long well i mean we saw during the uh, the nine or, or 12 days that we were without electricity that uh people were were panicked the, but, you know, they, they but were... there was also a consensus of concern. After all, it doesn't matter what standard of living you are in, whether you're homeless or you're living in a $350,000 home, it's still the same effect. And so this common concern after so many days began to come together and show cooperation. And that was very rewarding to find that we did not have a breakdown. Maybe afterward, once the power came on, we've had a serious problem with mean packs of dogs 
and homeless and people trying to find the means in which to stay in the area but don't have it yeah. and I attended a municipal advisory council meeting and stated there was only two homeless and I was very wrong and I apologize for a recent meeting that I attended where I basically said we don't need 500 volunteers to help count the homeless up here because we only have two well there may be more than two in fact there could be as many as 200 these people will have to be cared for we've already chased off too many dogs to survive on their own and the mountain lions are taking advantage of that so here we are in a little community on the edge of civilization where the future is running over us. Thank you for listening in to Fika with Anika. Enjoy your cup of Fika Wednesdays at 3 p.m. and replayed Sundays at 1 p.m.